0: Live with Ryan Reese. This is live with Ryan Reese. Call now one 564 6173 or post your questions using the hashtag live Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.
1: Well, tonight we have a very special show. I have Bob Lindsay he's a candidate for the LA County Sheriff's for 2008. Thank you for coming and his beautiful wife, Kathy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> tonight he has um, he's going to be talking about a lot of rad things he wants he's planning to do in the community and for Los Angeles so thank you for coming out you know you got to come and meet with our team a couple days ago I did yes. and uh, it was just awesome man just to meet with you and you to share the vision and I said you know what we have to have you on the show so you can tell the world about what you, what your plans are, what you want to do. So thanks for coming out.
0: No, Ryan, thank you. It was a blessing to meet you. And, you know, I looked, I looked at all your information on the website and I will tell you, your story is amazing. Yes. I mean, it is an amazing story of a man that uh, went one way and then comes out the other end and look at all the lives that you're, you're saving right now. It's, it's awesome,
1: man. You know, I just believe that us as uh The Christian body. We all need to work together. There's so many different aspects. It's so interesting because you're running for sheriff, and here we are. We have the Hoosiers, and we're involved with like music and art. It's like the two different worlds, but yet we're all the body of Christ, and we all have to work together. You know, even with our ministry, we're aligned with the Gideons International, the guys that give the Bibles, the most conservative ministry in the world, and the Billy Graham Association. So, (laughs) it's just I just love it's just this is just all God stuff, Mm -hmm. bringing people together because we know that Jesus Christ is coming. Yes, he's coming back, and he's bringing the armies together. He's bringing unity in the church and all aspects of life, so we could all work together on one cause, and that's to reach the world for Christ. That's right. We all have
0: a destiny, and it's right in front of us. We just have to open up our eyes and grab it.
1: Absolutely. Well, give me a little
0: background on,
1: um, you know, what did you do before you even got involved with like law enforcement?
0: You know, what? I was born right here in Los Angeles County at Queen of Angels Hospital, and then I grew up, I was born in 55, but I, I, I know that's... Uh, uh, mm, yeah, let's see. That's a long time ago. But uh, I grew up in Covina area. And yeah. back then, although anybody who lives out in this area now wouldn't realize it, it was all orange groves. Yes. I mean, we would walk to school as young kids when it was safe, actually, to walk to school, we would walk our, you know, three quarters of a mile to school and we'd actually pick oranges on the way and, and do that sort of thing. So completely different life. What year was this? This
1: like was in high school. When this was school. early
0: 60s. Okay. Oh, no, that's not high school. That no. 60s, I was in elementary. I, that's what I'm saying. We used to walk to school at elementary school without parents Yeah. when I was eight years old. We would walk the distance, and nobody worried about it because the streets were safe. Mm-hmm. There was no crime. We used to sleep with our front door open. We didn't have air conditioning, <laughs> but, we, we, but we'd but sleep yeah. with the front door open, and we weren't worried about somebody coming in.
2: There's a lot so, of trust back then.
0: Oh, yeah, a lot of trust, a, a lot of trust. Things have changed. Yeah, things have changed. So I, I grew up back there, and then as time went on, I stayed there in the Covina uh, area, went to Covina High School, mm-hmm. and then from Covina High School— uh, I went to multiple colleges it seemed like every time I went to college uh, it wasn't the right one for me so I ended up going to about six different colleges and then ultimately in 1978 I got hired by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department
1: mm, yeah so so tell, so when she comes into the picture a little bit later on right oh no no, no. she came no, in a lot earlier than
0: that yeah really? yeah go ahead honey I mean so, yeah I mean you're here so yeah. how'd, how'd you yeah. meet anyway
2: <laughs> we, we worked at Jumco together okay and um, we just Started a friendship there at Jemco, and one day he asked me to go out on a date. We had we were both actually en- promised or engaged, whatever you call it back then. Mm-hmm. But I knew that that wasn't the person for me. And when we went on she's our first date, she's not talking about me, by the way. No, no, I'm not talking that. about you. I'm the I right went on person. On our first date, <laughs> I just no, want to make sure. I want to tell them this: that when I went on the first date, <laughs> yeah. I said I could marry you. Really? And I was that first. That's date, very that's, forward. That's, that's, that's very. And I never, never had that ever in my life. Yeah. Never, and. And I knew now, and I look back now, and I know that was the Lord.
0: Yeah. Well, that's because we were at myself. a Peter Frampton concert. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that was <laughs> <No>. a deal.
2: <laughs> he was just, a, you know, he was a good. He is. He's a very good person. Has a very incredible heart, and that's what I saw. I saw the heart that he had. And at that time, I was not a Christian, but I saw something in him that I didn't have, and it, and and I, I wanted something like that. So, so, the, so
1: the question is, how long did it take for you guys to get married? Since you're, like, proposing to him on the first yeah, date. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know,
2: yeah. Uh, two, what, two and a half years. Yeah, We dated for two years, and he asked me to marry him. After, after two and a half years, yeah, we...
0: I think back in those days, people got married a little bit younger than they do today. I think I think people today date taught... a lot more. You were 20?
1: You
2: were 23,
0: right? I was 23, 22 and a half, 23. Yeah. Yeah, people get married a
1: lot later now. Yes, yes. And then they, everyone has problems having kids when they get married yes, later. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so it's like, you yeah, it's 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 good right. and bad, you know. You get yes. married later. So you guys get married, and then you be, you became a police officer.
0: I became a police officer. In fact, um, she's not telling the whole story. <laughs> and I, and what I'm, happened? Yeah. So you know, I had a life insurance okay. license. I had a real estate license. I had an auto insurance license because you know, back in those days, it was like if you get that <laughs> sort of job and you work really hard, you could build a business and you could make a lot of money. Right. And so her dad was a police officer, and he worked for West Covina Police Department. He was a detective, seven kids. So Kathy is one of seven. Wow. Yes. And uh, her dad worked really, really hard. I mean, he yes. worked at West Covina, but he also worked uh, a second job in order to support the family. Um, that's how their family grew up, they knew what hard work was. Mm-hmm. And so what she told me was that basically, hey, don't you think it would be a good idea if you got a job with insurance and all the stability? So when I asked her to marry her, she said, Yes, I would love to but get that job. Mm-hmm. And so what I do, I applied for the sheriff's department and you And I know, was
2: working for the Sheriff's Department. And she at the was time. working Are for you the Sheriff's there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And she was a secretary. She was a secretary at the sheriff's department. She will tell you that she got me my job. But I am going to argue that. So wait, you were – okay, so you were a policeman first. Then you got the insurance. No, no, no. I had the insurance. I had the all that, And then you
1: became a policeman. Right. And then you transferred over to the sheriff's.
0: Yeah. I applied for the sheriff's department, got hired by them, and then I started my career as a deputy sheriff.
1: Mm, Okay. So what's what's the – so why, why the police versus the sheriffs?
0: Well, you know what? The sheriff is a much larger department. In fact, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department is the largest sheriff's department in the world. There's 18,000 employees on the sheriff's department. It's like a city. Wow. Um, and when you talk about the deputy sheriffs, there's 10,000 uh, deputy sheriffs. So when you go through the system and you're trying to get hired by a smaller agency, sometimes it's much harder to go there. Um, And so I applied at several agencies. I just got picked up by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department first. But the nice thing about the Sheriff's Department is that there are so many things you can do there. I mean because you have the courts. You have uh, patrol. You have custody. You have the community colleges. You have the metro rail. You have search and rescue. You have gangs. You have narcotics. You have homicide. And I could go on for the next five minutes about all the opportunities there. Um, and so when I when my wife said, hey, you really should come to the sheriff's department, she was, and this is the only time I'm going to say this during the whole show, she that was, was right. absolutely right. Amen.
2: Mm.
1: And so it <laughs> yeah. was
0: uh, it was a blessing that, yeah. that I actually got hired by the sheriff's department because of the multiple opportunities that it gave me for the next 32 and a half years. So – Interesting enough with the uh, sheriff versus the police, the sheriffs, when
1: you get, when you come on board with the sheriffs, you have to actually do time in the prisons, right? For a while?
0: You do. You have to spend anywhere from, well, at the time I got hired, some of the guys had been in there for six years. The prisons, before you could even come out and work the streets. That's right, before they could come out. Now you may do two years, but the way that it works now is when you get hired by the sheriff's department, you either go to custody or you go to courts. Mm-hmm. and then later on you go to patrol. What I'd like to do as the sheriff is turn that around because I believe when you graduate from the academy that you need to go straight to patrol rather than going into the jails. You need to go to patrol because you just got patrol trained, actually, and they trained you for the streets, but yet then they put you in the jail, and all you're doing for the next few years is you're with uh, uh, prisoners and in and, and custody.
1: Yeah, th- that's, that was my question. I was, I was always wondering, why do they send them... Um, Straight to prison instead of out. Like, why they would like? What's like? What's the logic behind it?
0: A lot of rules and regulations. It's the union issues and things like that. Because it's hard to turn a system around. This is a big, huge ship. I mean, it's gigantic. And so, once you go into the jails, if we were to take the people straight from patrol now, or straight from the academy, and put them in patrol, then what would happen is the people that are in the jails waiting to go to patrol would be upset that the new guys bypassed them. So you have to you have to change the whole system in order to do it, but it can be changed. That's that's amazing. So during this time,
1: you're over there at the sheriff's. What, what, like, so what point is it when you ended up finding God for yourself?
0: You know that was a very young age, and and you know I, I attribute that to the women in my life, and that was my great uh, grandma, Grandma Langford, and then of course my mom, who actually brought me to Christ. She was the one that took me to church. She was the one that did, and she never had a driver's license you know, so my dad would drop us off at church, and, and then he would go home or, or wait, and then I would go in with my mom and my brothers into church, and, and that was our way of life. And so at a very young age, I knew Christ, and, you know, it's one of those things, and I know that there's a lot of people listening out there in, in the high school areas and, and all the other things, but what you have to do is really listen to your moms and dads, and I'm telling you in this regard, I have three kids, um, you know, I wish they would have listened to me more instead of their mama um, because <laughs> mama trusted them too much. But, uh, you know, as a cop, when you're and, and this is the thing with parenting and, and Ryan, I know, you know, this and you've got three beautiful, beautiful babies. Thank you. And as they grow up, I hope that the parents all understand out there that you have to be in agreement, the husbands and the wives on yes. how you're going to raise the yes. children, because that is a big, big deal. Now, when I worked for the sheriff's department, I was rarely home. In fact, I will tell you, and it hurt my heart big time, but one day I came home and my daughter, I wasn't happy with some things she had done, and she looked at me and said, Dad, you don't have any say in this. You're never home. And you know what? It woke me up because she was absolutely right. I was spending my life working, whereas my wife was spending her life being a single parent. That's interesting. I think that's that's common too, because I mean,
1: well, a lot of guys have to work and bring home the bread and butter to support the family. But then there's always that balance, yes. You know, and I think that's the like I'm a new dad. I'm trying to figure out the balance as well. And everyone around me, everyone's. It's like I guess I don't think you ever find it, but I think you you just got to always work on it, right?
0: That's right. You got to pay attention to pay, it. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah, you have to at least know you're out of balance when you're out of balance.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100, and and if you do have to work a lot, because you know you could talk to different dads and whatever, and they're like, well, dude, mom's home, take care of the kids. I got to provide for the family so everyone can eat and stuff. But it's um, it's just not qu- like one when, when pastor told me, it's not uh, quantity, it's quality mm-hmm. time yes. when you're there, when you're at home, make sure you're you're connected. And, uh, you know, if you have to turn off your vices or whatever, just be plugged in, you know.
2: But I have to say one thing about that. As much as he worked, see, he loved the department. Yeah. That's the thing. He didn't work to get his paycheck. Mm -hmm. He worked as a parent surrounding himself with good people Mm -hmm. and to make the department great. Right. That's what he did. So I look back now in times that I did get upset because he wasn't home. You know, he never, he was the kids' coaches all the way grown up. Mm -hmm. He would get two hours sleep. And he'd still go out when they were in club softball, club anything, and he would be their coach and be out there for everything. So those things, he was a great dad, right? Incredible dad. And your
1: and your job, obviously, you're going for the greater good. You're trying yes. to help the world. Yes.
0: Right. You know. Right. Well, there's a lot of things you see out there too. And I think, uh, you know, when you're when you're a deputy sheriff, and obviously I went through the ranks. I was a deputy, and then I was a sergeant, and then I was a lieutenant, then I was a captain, and then I was a commander. And as you go up and you grow up through the department, and you do those things, you see a lot of things. And when I was out on the street, I mean there there were situations that that you know, a lot of people are asleep at night and they don't realize what's happening on those streets after ten PM. And I will tell you, and it never hits the news. I mean, all of the arrests, some of the shootings, the Can we talk? That happen- let's talk
1: let's talk. We have some time. Let's talk about a few few stories.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can tell you. I went I went to a call one day where um, and this just, is just off the top of my head where mm-hmm. I went there and there were a young, young couple. It was just a young couple and they were fighting over a baby. And when we got there, when we arrived, they were literally tugging at this baby and the baby was like one and a half years old. And so my partner and I arrived there. And we thought, oh, my God, they're going to, you know, the baby's going to drop on the ground or something's yeah. going to happen to this baby. And they were screaming at each other. So we got there and I walked over and I took the baby uh, from them by saying, hey, listen, let me hold the baby for a minute. And I'll tell you, in situations like that, and I, possession is nine-tenths of the law. So I then had the baby, but I could see that they had a lot of problems. And so I handed the baby to my partner and she walked over and and just held the baby while I talked individually to the two parents. And when I asked them what was going on, you could tell that they were not going to solve their issue. And so I then thought, you know what? What would Jesus do? And I, I started thinking, how can I resolve this situation? Because I really don't want this baby to be taken from the parents, and I certainly could have. I could have taken the baby to DCF right then, to the Children's Services. True. But what I did was I walked over to the, the mother, and I told her, and I said, you know, this is the options. I can't tell who's telling me the truth, whether you are or whether he is. And I said, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the baby to family services. And she says, oh, my God. And then I walked over to him, and I asked him the same question. Neither of them could hear each other. And he said, that's okay. You can do that. She looked at me and said, No, 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 give the baby to him. And when she said, Give the baby to him, I could tell at that point that she had such a love for that baby that she did not want that baby to go anywhere but to a parent. And so we handed the baby back to her and asked him, please, to leave the location and they could do whatever they needed to do in court, but the mother ended up with that baby. That sounds like that Bible story. Yes, it does. And and I will tell you, the Bible is applicable yeah. in any situation. Mm-hmm. If you really sit back and you know the Bible and you start thinking about it. Now, obviously, I couldn't cut the baby in half. That wouldn't yeah. have been a good yeah. thing. Yeah. But, yeah. but I will tell you, it, it, take the Bible and apply it to today's circumstances. Mm-hmm. And when you go to calls, when you go to things like that, I mean, I will tell you, I've been shot at twice in my career. Uh, One time with an AR-15, you know, we're we're driving down an alleyway. And I will tell you, God protects you when you can hear these bullets whistling by your car and your partner doesn't hear them. He was driving and you reach across and I put my foot on the accelerator, turned the wheel and we ran up a curb into the bushes because I knew we had to get out of the line of fire. And then he's looking at me like, why'd you do that? And I said, didn't you hear it? And sure enough, there was a guy in a trailer down the road shooting wildly out of his trailer in AR-15. Ultimately, the SWAT team came and they captured him and it was all taken care of. But these are the things when you're out in patrol, when you're out in life, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a cop. God can put that protection around you so that harm doesn't come to you. It just doesn't come to you. My son is a deputy sheriff. Mm -hmm. Tell me about him. Now. He made a stop of an individual, who they looked. He looked like a suspect in a robbery, but when they came up to him, they realized that. Oh, wait a minute! This guy may be selling drugs. So as they got out of the car to approach him, the individual turned around and started firing at him. Mm-hmm. So he opens fire on him, and my son is rolling around in the gutter, and just rolling so he won't be shot. And he said to me, "Dad, I heard everything." the whistle of those bullets coming right by me. And I will tell you, once again, God had favor. Amen. And he was protected. You know, they ended up chasing him. They ended up capturing him. Uh, He was a barricaded suspect. But the bottom line is this. You know, we may get mad that we're held up going on the freeway somewhere, you know, because something happens and you can't find your wallet or you can't do this. But you know what? God was maybe protecting you from that accident that was gonna occur. Mm-hmm. Just yesterday, we were driving to an event and my the guy who's driving with yes. me says, oh my God, and I'm going, what's going on? There was a pursuit right behind us and the car missed us by a fraction of an inch. Whoa! It drove right by us and there was traffic on that freeway. He yeah. was going from one lane to the next lane and ultimately about a quarter of the mile down the road, he ran into two cars. That very well could have been us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But once again, I praise God that he had that hedge of protection over us. Amen. Dang. So
1: many, yeah, 100%. God, um, that's why it's so crucial to have that relationship with God because he holds our our life in his hands, you you know, And, and when you're not walking with God or you don't have a relationship with him, you're just, you're out there. You're just, you're open for whatever, that's why it's crucial. And then there's the afterlife, you know, just for mm-hmm. listeners or listening. You know, if you don't have a relationship with God, you just you never know what's gonna happen in your life. You never know the mm-hmm. you know, our life is like a vapor of smoke. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is why it's crucial we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the God of the universe. So yes. when that time comes, it's all good, heaven bound. If not, you know, it's it gets very scary. So what? So when do? You, uh, so why are you uh, running for to become a candidate for sheriff for two thousand eight?
0: You know, for it was like a count. very it was a difficult situation. You know, I've worked uh, thirty two and a half years with the sheriff's department, and then I was I wasn't didn't actually retire. I was recruited by the state, mm-hmm. and then they took me over to the superior court as the director of security for all forty courts in Los Angeles. So I have forty years in law enforcement, and it's and you have a lot of things you've done during that time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. And, and I would encourage anybody. And I'll tell you, being a police officer is a gift. It really is. Now, times have changed. It's a lot different than when I came on. And it's a lot more dangerous today. But I had the privilege of working five jails. So when somebody asked me, what's it like to be in jail? I can tell you I have been there. I've been to a lot of them. I worked Pico Rivera Station. I worked Temple Station. I worked Carson Station. I worked Firestone Station. I worked gang enforcement in South Central uh, L.A. for quite some time. I've worked surveillance teams. uh, I've worked the academy recruitment and uh, ultimately advanced officer training. I built the field training officer unit, which is the unit that was responsible for training every training officer in the entire sheriff's department on how to do their job, how to make you know pullovers, how to do felony stops, how to search houses, how to do extractions, you name it, the, all of those things. Wow. So, And I've had about 15 other jobs within the sheriff's department, but the one job that probably for running for sheriff is the most beneficial for me, I was a captain and the director of personnel. So I ran the nucleus of the department from the middle. I was in charge of all 18,000 employees doing the testing for all of the different ranks. And then mm-hmm. of course, putting together repatriation programs for the military. All, all of those out there who are thinking about the military or who want to come to the sheriff's department from the military, we love you. I mean, I would love to have you on board because of the experiences you have. You know, the sheriff's department is a paramilitary organization, mm-hmm. but aside from that, when you become a deputy sheriff, we just ask you to go out there and be a leader in the community. We ask you to go out there and have that heart for God that when you go to a call, you're going to help somebody because every day you can touch a life. And because, let's face it, when somebody calls you, there's a problem. Big, Yeah, yeah there's a sure. problem. So you know you're going into a problem, but you really have to have the heart to want to fix the problem, not just to put a Band-Aid on it. So you got to go out there and you got to listen. We have to be good listeners. And all too often, uh, some of us aren't. We want to go from one call to the next call. That's why God is so important and why why we have to have Jesus back into law enforcement, why we have to have people who are from churches and who have that love for Christ start applying for the sheriff's department. Because you know what? When, when you go yeah, out there... Yeah, when you go out there with that feeling <clears> that you can really change a life and that's what you want to do, rather than just going to handle a call. Yeah, it's a big, difference. a big difference.
1: Well, it's like, you know, as a Christian, just being a Christian out in the world, you know, when you see someone, you, you have that you have the Holy Spirit in you. So you have that love for people and you want you wanna help people, even when you see someone in need, sometimes if you see someone just begging on the side of the street, like the Holy Spirit's like that's real. Like that guy needs money or he needs help or whatever. But you have that love that you actually want to see the situation get better. It's not just a, just a, a person. Right. And with the law enforcement, every time you do guys answer calls, it's because there's a big problem. Right. And how much more would that be amazing with uh, people that do have Jesus in them? Cause they're just not locking them up and, and putting them in jail. I mean, most people that are doing drugs or in, in these situations or these fights, it's, it's 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 a, they're doing them for a reason. There's there's problems. There's like a deeper problem here, so yeah. One thing
2: I have to share too, when he was a deputy, he used to go down into the jails with the inmates and yeah. sit at the tables with them, and ask them why they're there. And he would always say to them, you know, you have a mama that loves you. Yeah. Why are you doing this to her? Yeah. You know. So he had a lot of relationships with the inmates in the jails. So when they would leave. A lot of them did not come back, and it was that was an amazing thing. So he he had the heart for the people. It wasn't just yeah. his job. Yeah. He really did.
1: The Jesus ministry.
0: Well, you know what? I'll tell you, there's, there's a lot of, and, and we all know this, there's a lot of people in jail who really don't belong in jail. They made a mistake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once they get in there, they're surrounded by a lot of people who are career criminals and things like that. So it's a very scary place to be, and especially now. Um, with the way that the jail's being run. And I, and I can tell you right now, and you ask why I'm running for sheriff, yeah. I'll tell you, it's a department that is in crisis. total crisis. It's a department that no longer is what it was when I joined the department. And anybody who has worked in the sheriff's department for any appreciable amount of time is saddened by what's going on today. Mm. You know, the current guy that's in there running the department came from LAPD. And they run things a lot differently. I love my brothers, you know, my my LAPD brothers. But they actually run things a lot different than the sheriff's department. So if you've never been in the sheriff's department, you don't know the organization. And like I said before, it's the largest sheriff's department in the world with 18,000. And so if you come in not knowing anything about the department, it's hard to navigate I have 40 years there, and I will tell you what, there are still things in that department I don't understand and that I haven't done. Right. So you have to surround yourself with the right people. But right now, the sheriff's department is down 1,200 deputy sheriffs. And when you're down 1,200 deputies, that means that there's a lot of vacancies out on the street. It's not because there's not enough money. The money is there. Okay. He just forgot to hire people. Now, there's a lot of of excuses going on right now, like, well, there's not enough qualified applicants. But I guarantee you, Ryan, if I I talk to you and David and anybody else in the church, Mm -hmm. you could probably toss 50 people at me that want to be deputy sheriffs, that have good hearts, that have good backgrounds, that we could hire. And we're just not recruiting appropriately. And so it's out there. They're just not being effective. And then you talk about crime in Los Angeles County. We're gonna we're gonna get back. We're gonna start with the next half with the crime in Los Angeles
1: County. We have about three minutes, so I want to plug a couple things before we go to the break. We have Bob Lindsay in studio. He's a candidate for the LA County Sheriff's for 2018. And uh, for more information on him, you can go to BobForSheriff.com. You can read about his campaign and all that, and read about him. He's a man filled with the Holy Ghost. He has his beautiful wife in studio, Kathy in studio and um yeah you definitely look them up um right out uh, you know when maybe when we go to break and you can come back also with the whosoever's movement we are continuing to tour the public high school system we have opened it up for the whole united states so it doesn't matter no matter where you're at contact us go to our website the whosoever's.com i believe this year we are going to texas we're going to new mexico we're looking at nevada touring still all of L.A. County. Actually, the doors, Bob, opened up for us in downtown L.A., like the whole Hollywood. Not downtown, but like the whole Hollywood area.
0: That's beautiful. So
1: I think we're going into 40, David, you're here, so like 43 schools in that whole Hollywood area, probably what you're going to be talking about in a minute, what's been going on over there. And then um, the other guy that we're working with has another 30-something schools in that area too. So we're going to be hitting L.A. County hard. Uh, starting in August, September. So we're excited. And like I said, we're seeing these students running down to receive Jesus Christ. Because life's crazy. It's a wild world yes. out there right now. I mean, you, you've said Absolutely. times have changed. You grew up in Covina. You used to have the doors open um, because you didn't have air conditioning, but yet it was still safe yes. to do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, it's not like that anymore. I mean, everyone has cameras all over their house. And, you know, people just uh it's just it's just it's just interesting times. This is why we need to reach kids. We need to let them know about Jesus so they don't go out and cause these these crazy acts. And we need to get amazing law enforcement in place. We need to, we need to get Jesus back into, Amen. into government as well. Amen, Amen. Amen. And God's moving. I, I mean, you can see how God's doing. He's he's tugging on people's hearts. And I mean, I have a lot of friends that are uh, paramedics, cops. Uh, sheriffs and um, uh, firemen that are believers. And they tell me all kinds of cool stories, how they are able to uh, just to lead people to the Lord and talk to people just on, on duty. One of my friends, he says, you know, if they have to arrest someone, he's like, now I have an opportunity to talk to them all the way to the station, right. you know. That's right. It's a great, great little counseling call um, if you have to. And obviously people don't try to arrest people. We want to keep them off the street so they don't get, get records. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good times, and um, Jesus is showing up. We'll be back in two minutes right after the break.
0: Or live with Ryan Reese coming up. Everything all right? Call now 1 888 564 6173 or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop de doo. Now back to Live with Ryan Reese.
1: We are back with Bob Lindsay in the studios, the candidate for the LA County Sheriffs in two thousand eight. He loves Jesus, and I'm voting for you.
0: Thank you, Ryan. One
1: hundred percent. And if you want to know more about him, you can go to BobForSheriff.com. And just before the break, we were just talking about you know how uh it's a crazy world out there, but God is raising up Christian leaders in these days. And it's crucial. We need revival to break out. We need Christian leaders. We need to reach we need to reach this generation with this gospel. And you know what's cool you were telling me, Bob, is when you know you when you were a sheriff and you were meeting with people on the streets, because when you guys show up there's problems, you know, you're trying to think what would Jesus do? Instead of just making them a number and a statistic, locking them up, taking them away, you try to use wisdom and try to prevent everything you can without, you know making them a statistic, and, and taking them to jail. And then you also develop relationships, like your wife was mm-hmm. saying, in the jail system with a lot of these guys that were there, and they, in, they never ended up going back to jail because of these cool conversations you got to have with them.
0: You know what? Jesus keeps people from jail, and I'll tell you that right now, because when you start focusing on that, you want to do what's right. And, you, and when you're out there and you're thinking about it as, as a young kid or even as a young adult, and you have Jesus in your heart, you make different decisions. 100
1: percent so i want to hit you with this one topic that's massive all over the news right now and a lot of the you know gen z and the millennials and i think the world at large is this is a huge subject but what do you think about the parkland shooting
0: well i think the parkland obviously my heart goes out to everybody that was involved in that i mean that's something that some people will never ever ever get over and so my my prayers are to the families. Uh, of each of the victims and even to all of the students who had to witness that yes I mean that that's like being in a war zone uh when that occurred and that and so, shouldn't happen here yeah no and and they're they're going to feel the results of that for the rest of their life they will never forget it that's one of those things you know when I was in patrol and I came to a scene where a young lady in a convertible had driven under a truck I cannot get that out of my head um, because it's just something that you'll never forget. And so for everybody that was there, you know, if you need to seek counseling, if you need something, go to your pastor, go to somebody, but but just understand that Jesus is here, he's watching, and there's a future for each and every one of you. When it comes to the Parkland shooting, there's a lot of cover-up going on. There's a lot of people pointing fingers at everybody. And when you sit and you think about the Parkland shooting, the young man that went in there, most shootings, if you don't know this, are done by people who are on antidepressants. Really? Yes. So they're they are all under some sort of medication at some point, And some of them are actually under medication during the shooting. And so this is a big signal that you got to be careful about all of the things that are happening out there with medications. I would encourage kids if you're on medications, to please be careful. Try remedies other than and than some of these pharmaceuticals. The pharmaceutical companies do want you to take all this stuff, mm-hmm. but there is a, a nexus to antidepressants and people going back in and doing things that normal people wouldn't do. Let's face it, it's evil. It's evil when you walk into a school and you intend to shoot one person and then try shooting 15, 17.
1: So you th- obviously they're just so out of it um, on these antidepressants. They're not comprehending correctly,
0: and they're Well, it's my my belief they're making terrible decisions, obviously, because they have an argument with somebody and then they decide to go in and shoot everybody up. But here's the issue. There were lots of signs in this particular shooting. The FBI knew what was going on. They had signs. The local police agency had been to his home 30 some odd times. Really? He had already been ordered not to carry a backpack into the school. Well, why would you order somebody not to carry a backpack into the school unless you were afraid they were going to bring something into the school? So there were so many signs that law enforcement missed. And I believe even the kids at the high school saw all these signs. They knew it. And this was something that should have been stopped by law enforcement. But let's talk about the shooting itself. Because that's what's important. And that becomes the big debate. Every time there's a shooting, there's a gun debate. And, uh, you know, I mean, here's the bottom line. Eventually, the shooter was caught. But nothing stopped him from shooting. Recently, there was a, a young man who went into a Maryland school, and he his intention was to go in there and kill some people. And there happened to be a security guard there with a gun who, when he saw that was occurring, he shot the young man who was going to kill everybody else. Now, you don't hear these stories because it's a gun story. Right. In this case, a gun stopped a gun, but it's a good gun versus a bad gun. Right. And so – and it's not the gun. It's the person behind the gun that's doing these things. Right. And so when I look, I've got five grandbabies, five beautiful grandbabies, all girls, no boys. I, I hope my kids try and find me a boy there. Paradise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when, when I, I think about my kids going to school, my grandbabies, right. I fear them going to public school. Now, why should I feel that way? Right. I shouldn't feel that way. Children going to – whether it's elementary school, high school and even college – they should feel safe in a safe environment. And so I will tell you this, that I do have a position, and my position on schools is that we need to protect them. Yes. Now, there's 2,200 public schools in the L.A. County area. 2,200, that's a lot of schools. Yes, that's The awesome. current sheriff basically said he doesn't have enough budget or people to do much about it. I disagree because I think there's a lot of people who want to protect our kids. When he came into the department, he got rid of about 600 reserves. And you know what? That's a perfect person to go into these schools, reserves. They're doing it for $1 a year. Mm-hmm. Right. They offer their time. They offer everything for $1 a year. That's not a lot of budget, is it? Mm-hmm. So for $600, I can have 600 people in different schools around the county. That doesn't cover them all, but there's other ways to do this. And I will tell you what, whether we like it or not, there are people who want to assault our kids because they know they're so important to us. Now, we need to place people in these schools, school resource officers, people who not just go there to protect the kids, but influence the kids like the whosoevers. You go in there and you have great influence. I mean, look how you did it. You're locked out of the schools, but yet you do it through another conduit because God opens that door for you. Yep. And when you put school resource officers in there, they open the door to a lot of other things because a lot of kids are afraid of the police. Yes. But when you build a relationship from a very young age with a police officer who actually loves you and, and you can see they love you and they want to protect you, it makes a huge difference. I can tell you, uh, police officer Dan. Yes. Okay. My kids
2: still remember him.
0: Yeah. Everybody remembers police officer Dan because he was at the school with my kids. He was like another father to them. Mm-hmm. And this is what has to happen in all these schools, but we do need to protect them. The other day when I was dropping my grandbaby off, now I've got 40 years of law enforcement experience. Right. I know how to shoot a gun. I know what I'm doing, but yet I had to disarm myself going into the school because it's a gun-free zone. Yes. Now here I am with no gun and I'm looking at the campus going, well, what would I do right now if somebody came in there with a gun? Yeah, exactly. I'd have to run back to my car and this person would be shooting up my grandbaby And what would I do? It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely nuts. And so for all the kids out there, I hope that they understand guns aren't bad. It's the people who get them that that are bad. We have to keep them out of the wrong hands. And so we have to have rules, regulations. We have to have those things. Mm -hmm. But in the hands of a common sense, responsible person, guns save lives. You know what? Yes.
1: Amen. Uh, I'm, I never even thought about it, but when my my daughters are two years old, schools, you know, the before future, you know it, they're going to be there. Yeah, they're going to yeah. be there. I want someone armed at these schools. With the yes. time that we're living in, I don't Generation, want them just sitting yes. ducks. I mean, That's it's right. the times Amen. have changed. Amen. So one hundred percent, that would be. That you know, Ryan, we,
0: we're all targets. And, you know, churches are targets too. Oh, yeah, you and hear I, about those stories. I, I was in a synagogue the other day, and, and the rabbi was talking about how, they, how they're attacked all the time with whether it's graffiti or whether it's w- whatever it is. But I mean, as you, as you think about it, the biggest targets for the United States of America are schools, churches, malls, and our transportation system. All of those things need to be protected. 100%. So tell me, um, what are some of the biggest issues in L.A. County? Well, crime is up, and and there's a lot of reasons for that. And One of them is that we don't have enough deputy sheriffs out there because the current sheriff hasn't done enough hiring. Uh, And as I said before, he has the money to do it. He just hasn't done it. He forgot to do it. So we have a real big crime issue. And And let me tell you, part of that is the laws. And everybody out there needs to know this, that if somebody gets arrested nowadays and you're sentenced to a year in jail, you only do 10 days. And if you're sentenced to six months, you only do one day. So there's no responsibility anymore. So when you have somebody that understands there is no penalty, then they're more apt to commit the crime. So, you know, I grew up with a foster brother. Uh, He came, I was 12. He came to us when he was five. And he had been through a lot of trauma. I mean, by the age of five, he had been kicked out of like 10 schools uh, before he came to us. And that was because he, his mother was a prostitute. She was a drug addict. And he was a drug baby. Now, he actually watched his mother burn to death in, in a fire. Narnie. And the last thing that she did was save him from that fire. So I can't even imagine no. at the age of five seeing something like that. But so he came into our family, three brothers, and he was the fourth. And I will tell you, from day one, we treated him like a brother. He never got kicked out of another school. He was just loved like another brother, pushed around like another brother, just part of the family. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's but so when cool. he turned 18, he did his first meth, and he was a drug baby. Dang. So from the age of 18, and he's now in his 50s, he's been a drug addict. And he has never got off. I've taken him to multiple rehabs, but he relapses. And he's calling me now. I mean, not right this very second, but I have three phone calls from him this week. And I will tell you what, less than a year ago, he called me. And when he calls me, he calls me for money. And so his teeth are rotted out, and he needed new teeth. And so what I promised him was I'd pay for half of it if he came up with the other half. And why did I do that? Because I wanted him to save up enough money not to spend on drugs to fix his teeth. And so ultimately, he now has a brand, brand new pair of teeth. But I say that to say this, that when you go out there, if you think just doing something once, that'll be the end of it. It may not be, depending on, right. on who you are. Right. Takes that one, that one try. Yeah. So now, I mean, we have about
1: 15, 15 minutes left of the show. So what would you do to fix
0: these problems in L.A. if you became sheriff? Because you're running. You know what? We need to involve the community and the community has been basically lost at this point by the sheriff's department. The community knows who the sheriff's department is, but the sheriff's department didn't know who the community was. Once upon a time, we had a lot of community groups. So in other words, whether it was in the Asian community, the Hispanic community, the black community, we actually had groups. They were were called community advisory groups. Uh, When this sheriff came in, he got rid of all of them uh, because he didn't think they were important. But they are important. It's, it's, they're the heartbeat of what's going on. The other thing that there was was a clergy council. Now, that's ordained. I mean, that is what needs to happen. You need to listen to the local pastors, the local ministers, the local... So ministers. they don't even have that anymore? No. Well, he's trying to put it back together now because there's an election. Gotcha. So he got rid of it. And then, of course... He, election time. It's bring election time. Bring him back. And yeah. I can tell you exactly when he did it. He did it exactly when he was starting the election. Because he called or his campaign team called for the clergy list inside the department. And inside the department, what they did was they called me because I have so many contacts in. They said, hey, the sheriff's asking for the clergy list. He wants to restart it up. Should we give it to him was the question because they knew it wasn't real. He didn't really have it in his heart to get it. He was campaigning. And I basically told him, sure, give him the list. I'm not the one that can keep it from him, but give him the list because God needs to be in. Nobody keeps God out, nobody. And so, you know, they gave him the list and what he's done with it since then, I can't tell you, but I think a lot of pastors see through this. You don't just call God in when you're campaigning and then drop God when you're done. That's not how it works. So that's another thing that we need to bring back into the sheriff's department is a very vibrant clergy. Now we have to partner with all of the there's a, we, the homeless situation. I mean, let's just let's take that. that yeah, is t- talk terrible. about that a
1: little bit for for LA, because I mean, even in Orange County, there's a huge movement of, of homeless here, and then LA. When I go downtown, it's
0: heavy. Well, you can't, you can't drive down LA without finding tents everywhere, without finding, uh, you know, there's feces, there's urine, there's hepatitis A, there's all sorts of things that are going to be impacting all of our families. If you go down into LA right now, half of us have to walk in the street Mm -hmm. because the sidewalks are taken up. And we have literally had employees walking from downtown uh, attacked by the homeless. Now, really? And, and these are homeless that are predators. Now, there are there are people in the homeless community, women, children. Yeah. You know, my heart goes out to them. We have to get them off the streets. There's the mental health issue out there. And they have to be, you know, attended to and placed in the appropriate facilities. But when you talk about the predators, they need to go to jail because right. there are predators out there. Now, they surrounded a deputy sheriff uh, that was walking in plain clothes, surrounded him because they were going to rob him. He pulled out his gun, and they all ran. So I'm going to tell you they know what a gun is. They were running. Yeah. So yeah. they knew exactly what they were doing, and they were going to assault somebody. So these are the people. So it's a very dangerous situation out there on the streets. But let me tell you why I believe this homeless situation grew so rapidly.
1: Yes, please. The
0: sheriff needs to take control of the situation because we have all 4,100 square miles. That's our responsibility. The entire Los Angeles County, and by the way, anybody in the county can vote. Anybody. If you live in Burbank, which has its own police department, or Covina, which has its own police department, or Glendora, it doesn't matter where you are, you can vote for the sheriff because it's in LA County. But what this sheriff did when he came in was he didn't realize the homeless situation was such a problem for the first three and a half years, or first three years minimum, he had one deputy assigned to the homeless. For 4,100 square miles. That deputy can't handle that. Mm -mm. That's insanity. But then when the campaign started once again, here we go. Let's put 14 deputies in there so that it looks like we're doing something. So when you don't have anybody from the sheriff's department, which is the department that's responsible for all of LA County, dealing effectively with the homeless, of course there's going to be a surge. Of course it's going to grow. There's 58,000 known homeless. I believe there's more like 75,000 because they hide in the back alleys. They hide where they're not going to get assaulted. They hide in their cars because they're families that just can't find a place, but they don't really want anybody to find them.
1: Yeah, you know, we we went down there and, and worked with um, the Midnight Mission down there. It's right there in, the, in that downtown yes. area, and there's like the Fred Jordan. There's a lot of people doing outreach to the homeless, and this, and I've I've been down there and done some stuff, and I've talked to a lot of them, and some of them are there because – they just want to be there, and they just don't want. Right. They want to disconnect from life. Right. That's right. And then some, like you said, are just placed there, and they're trying to get on their feet. And then other guys just want to do drugs. Yeah. So yeah. it's just this whole. It's it's just this whole. Right. Every every situation is so
0: so different. You know. You know right? Yeah, I look at every everybody's really one day away from homelessness. When you when you think about it, if yeah. you lose a job, how many people have enough money in the savings? Yeah, I know. To live and pay their their rent for even three months. Yeah, so true. I mean, so and once that happens and you start getting foreclosed on, I mean, one of the worst jobs on the sheriff's department that I've ever seen is, is, of course, our, our deputies that have to go out and evict people. And I've I've gone out there with them. And, you know, they're only given 15 minutes per home. Really? Yeah, 15 minutes per home, and they have to go to the next one. That's how many evictions there are out there. These are all things that people don't know. And so you get 15 minutes, you walk up to a door, and you knock on the door, and they open the door, and you say, okay, it's time to leave. And they say, well, I'd like to grab my things. Well, you can't grab anything. Grab clothes, that's it. If you need the rest of your property, then you can come back and get it at a later time, but you got to get out now. And so there's children in the house. And here we go. And I mean, this... That it, is it, just
1: so sad. Yeah. That is yeah. just the worst thing I've ever heard in my life.
0: Yeah, it, it destroys... The deputies have to do uh. this each and every day by law. And I mean, it is such a sad situation. These are the things that we have to deal with and, and that we have to fix. Yeah, how can we fix these things? And, and, you know, there's job training. There's things like this. Let's talk about let's talk about addiction for just a second. Okay. We, mental,
1: health, mental, uh, mental illness and addiction.
0: Yeah. So addiction. Okay. Right now, you arrest somebody that has an addiction. They need help. Right. They need to get into a program. What we have now, because of the fact that jails are being run the wrong way, is they will go, they will talk to the DA, and the DA will offer them a program. And it's a great program. And this is where they need to go. But they know that they're only going to go to jail for one day. Yeah. So... Anybody who's under the influence or is, is an addict, you know what they're going to say, four months in a program or one day in jail. Yeah. That's no choice. I, I'd take the one day, any day, and that's what they're doing. So what we're doing is we have a repetitive cycle where we're not, we're not taking anybody and we're not helping them. So we could arrest them all day long, but they're out the next day. And we all know that, that when you're an addict, and, and like my brother, he would steal anything off my back yes. when he's under the influence. He loves me to death, but the drug takes over. And so he's not going to get programmed. He's not going to get help with the way the system is working right now. So this is another thing as sheriff that we need to fix this so that we get people help. We rehabilitate them. We put in job programs and we do the things to keep people out of jail. Because if we don't do that, they're going to, it's just a a cycle. It's It's a a cycle. cycle in and out, in and out. It's a cycle.
1: So, also another huge thing that's going on is uh, the mental illness. Yes. How do you see that? What's your view on?
0: Well, you know what? We're going to have to put. It's it's not just money. We have to put thought into this because we don't have enough facilities. Now, about half of the jail is filled with mental health uh, patients. They don't belong in jail. Half the jail. Yeah, they don't belong in there. And so here's here's the issue. The current sheriff isn't isn't working hard enough to get them into the appropriate facilities. He needs to get them out of there to make bed space for these people that we need to program into four months. See, here's the thing. If you take an addict and you say, hey, listen, four months in jail or four months in a program, you're probably not going to have to put them into jail anyway. They'll take the program. Right. But you have to have the bed space to offer them that, right? How's that looking? It's not looking good. Not, not the way it's being run right now. So when we talk about the mental health situation, we have people in there legally that shouldn't even be in there. They've already been declared incompetent to go, to go to trial, but yet they're sitting in a jail because there's nowhere to take them. So we need to start looking at resources, not just in L.A. County, but outside of L.A. County. If we have to look outside the state, we should be looking outside the state to get them help because isn't what we want the end result for them to get better, right? to get medicated, to get attention, to get the services they need? You're not going to get it in the jail right now. There is an epidemic of deputies getting assaulted in the jail. Really? An epidemic. I mean, they are getting assaulted. So you don't hear about that on the news. No, they're oh. getting assaulted each and every day. Not only are they getting assaulted, they're getting what's called gassing. Gassing is when they put urine and feces in a bag and it's thrown on these deputies. Mm-hmm. And so they do this on a daily basis. This is happening in our jails, and people do not hear about it. These are the things that need to be turned around. I was talking to a deputy the other day and said, hey, I haven't seen you here before. And he says, yeah, I just left the jail. And I said, so why would you leave the jail? He says, because we no longer have control of the jails. The inmates do. Mm -hmm. He said, so it's too dangerous for us to go to work. We have people quitting the sheriff's department right now because they feel it's unsafe for themselves to go to the jail, So if the deputies think it's unsafe, how do you think it is for your loved ones who end up in there? 100%. Well, that's why the election's coming up. When is the election? June 5th is the election. Now, absentee ballots are going to be mailed out May 7th. -hmm. And so you should be getting them the 8th, the 9th, the 10th. And then you have the opportunity to make a decision about a lot of political positions. I would hope that you do your research. I would hope that you look for people who are going to spread the word, who are going to do the right thing. And on the ballot for sheriff, I will be on there. And if you live in Los Angeles County, you can vote. I will be the top person on there. I'm number one on the list, the top one, Robert Bob Lindsay. And please press that one. That's the one you need if you want change in Los Angeles County, if you want to bring God back into the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, if you want to... Have the clergy back involved? If you want community groups back involved, if you want the community actually to be serviced the way it's supposed to be serviced, I'm looking forward to doing that. That's amazing, and you can go to
1: uh, BobForSheriff.com to read about your campaign and read, but you know your background and all that. And it's so crucial that we get God back in government, in. The military in this everywhere. Everywhere we need God back. Why are we having all this crazy stuff? The mental illness, the addiction, the crime, and all this stuff because God's God was gone. Taken out, yes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's you've, we've seen the progression over you know just just in my lifetime. I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine growing up back in you know your days when when it was, it was wonderful.
2: So, oh my gosh, it, you it was, could walk the streets and it was great. You didn't have to worry about anything. You could ride your bikes. Mm-hmm. You could ride your bikes. My mom would send us up into the hills with a packed lunch for the whole day. Yeah. We didn't have cell phones or anything. Just we didn't have. Safe. We had canteens, no bottled waters. It was wonderful back
1: then. That yeah. was that must have been amazing. And now mm-hmm. you, you know, you even. I mean, we didn't even get into the, the, the human trafficking and all that stuff. I mean, that's a whole nother. It's a whole nother
0: conversation. And I think we only have problem. like two
1: minutes left,
0: but. Yeah. Want to give a little nugget on that. Well, I'll tell you, human trafficking is, is a huge issue. I mean, our department does have a human trafficking team, but when you take a look at it and what's happening with the human trafficking team is we're saving we're saving these young girls all the time. But what happens is then they come into our process, the process the sheriff has, and they're not being prosecuted. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that it doesn't do any good to arrest somebody if you're not going to prosecute them. Right. And so these traffickers basically are being taught how to traffic and how not to get caught, and this is a very important aspect of what we also have to do. You know, churches. There's a lot of churches involved in this too, in trying to save people from the human trafficking. It's a huge problem worldwide. Yeah. But it's never been so bad as it is here in Los Angeles County in these areas now.
1: Well, world, pray, pray, and check out BobForSheriff.com. Thank you guys for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Very amazing. Appreciate you you
2: guys. Love you
0: guys. Thank you. you. God bless. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese.